and welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today we are joined by Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It's always weird when uh, we record podcasts at the beginning of the week, but we don't at the end. It's like we haven't talked in so long. There's so much to catch up on, and there's a lot of Bruins stuff we're going to get to, but we have to start here first. Um, uh, I imagine most have heard or seen uh, the news story about Adam Johnson from this past weekend. Um, the former NHL uh, player, the former standout at Minnesota Duluth, uh, who was playing over in England, who had his skate or had a skate cut his throat uh, during a game on Saturday, and he, and he died Sunday morning. Um, just incredibly sad, and we want to send our, our best our condolences to the Johnson family, to everybody affected uh, by this tragedy. I mean, it is as horrible as it gets. Worst case scenario possible. Um, and we want to send our best because I think the hockey world is in mourning right now. Uh, because as, as I said, this is worst case scenario. It's everybody's worst nightmare. And, uh, you know, again, we send our best. I want to touch on neck guards really quickly. Because neck guards growing up, Connor, I'm curious if you had the same kind of experience growing up, it was always, they were, neck guards were kind of looked down upon, you know, it was, they were annoying, they'd crinkle up on your neck, they'd take sweat and no one wanted to wear them ever. And when things like this happen, which they don't happen all the time, but when they do, it is worst case scenario. And, you know, the, I just, before we came on to record uh, the English ice hockey association uh, has mandated, has made it mandatory for all players during on-ice activities starting December 31st to wear neck guards. They highly encourage them until then. The reason they're not mandatory now is just because of supply issues, which I already looked on Amazon. I looked through every everyone's buying them. And yeah. uh, you saw on Sunday, uh, three Providence Bruins, including Fabian Lysel, wore neck protection. Um, I think the debate people are going to have is, should they be mandated in the NHL? And, you know, you can have that debate. I think NHL players should wear them. Um, whether or not you want to make a rule out of it, it's up to them. But A, it's good for their own safety. But I think the biggest impact NHL players would have wearing neck guards is you would it would impact the youth levels, right? In the NHL, you have EMTs on standby. You have doctors. I remember the Richard Zednick incident. I think it was like 2007 or 2008. There was a trainer right there. There were EMTs. There's doctors there. At might squirt peewee bantam high school games, that's not the case. And that stuff can happen. Again, it's not all the time, um, but this stuff can happen. And when it does, you you know, you want protection against it. So I think it would say a lot if NHL players began wearing them. Um, and I mean, just horrible. So I wonder if you have any thoughts on this or, you know, just terrible. Yeah, no, I mean, it's tragic and it's, you know, something that we all love the game of hockey and it's just awful when these kind of freak accidents like that happen. And we literally saw it, what was it, last year in Connecticut, um, you know, these things do happen where people lose their life um, in these circumstances. And yeah, it's tough. And it would be curious to see what the NHL does moving forward. You know, Jim Montgomery talked about it today and said it was kind of more of a personal preference because of the players themselves don't like wearing them because kind of the aforementioned reasons why you said uncomfortable, they move up and down, which sometimes doesn't even fully protect from what can happen on some of those really critical injuries. Um, but again, like to, to your point, 
if you see more players adopt it, um, use it again, it's all about, I think, setting an example that, you know, I think that's why people were looking at that Providence game with guys like, like Sean. It's like, all right, if these guys are doing it, maybe you'll see it more from other guys in the AHL. If you see more NHL players who want to take that next step, uh, starting tonight or what have you, like it catches on. I think it's most importantly for, as you said, uh, the lower levels too of setting an example for them because as you said they don't have the same medical care when you have something as traumatic as that that could happen in any uh, in any rink across the world so um, be very curious to see how NHL both the league and the players especially who seem to have you know the balls in their court how they approach it but whatever discourse you want to have over it in terms of net guards and and the best approach it's just it's awful like it's just an awful situation out of all of it and uh, echoing what you said you know our thoughts go out to uh adam and his whole whole family and everyone impacted by it it's just no other way you can really kind of sum it up there it's just awful it's just tragic and it's it's horrible and i i wish we weren't having obviously wish we weren't having this conversation and so um i mean it's it's horrible and it, the most heartbreaking thing in the world because we love this game and you know we live and breathe it and you know to have a freak accident like this happen um is is just terrible and so there's just not much else to say about it and again we'll see what the league does with net guards but you know as you said um it's big i think it's biggest for the lower levels the kids because they don't have the emts the doctors on hand that could potentially save lives i mean in a lot of situations like in high school you, you hope that an assistant coach is a firefighter or something i know right. there was an incident in framingham years ago uh that a kid got cut by a skate, I forget where in practice. And basically his life was saved by an assistant coach who was a firefighter. Like that's, well, that's why he's, yeah. that's why he's living. So it's just, it's then it's chance. So uh, I think there has to be a change on how neck guards are viewed because of this. And I think there will be, I mean, the fact that you saw three AHL players already wearing him on, uh, on, on Sunday kind of says it all, but uh, yes, again, uh, thoughts to the Johnson family, everybody affected by this horrible, horrible tragedy. Um, so moving right along to, to the Bruins stuff, uh, Bruins are seven Oh and one Connor. Bruins are seven Oh and one, and they got a big win, big win on Saturday night against their, uh, you could argue a real opponent. Uh, <laughs> not a real opponent, but an opponent that looks pretty damn good in the Detroit Red Wings, uh, getting a four, one win. And I must ask the question, Connor, because we discussed this a lot in the offseason and eight games in solid sample size. Are the Bruins a cup contender? Where are you at on this? I mean, I'm still going to put them squarely in the mix. And I think that's kind of if you're a Bruins fan, you'll probably just take that because I don't think I think probably a lot of Bruins fans are terrified of being the front runners or being they don't want to get the hope. They don't want to get those hopes up. Yeah, Um, because, again, I think you know, listen, you can't overlook the start they've had, even if you want to look at the level of competition, what have you. They really, for most of that game uh, on Saturday against Detroit, really shut down a team that was flying high, especially on offense, on the power play. Didn't give them a whole lot. If they play games like that, they're going to snuff out whoever it is, the Maple Leafs, the Oilers, any high-octane offense is going to have trouble if they play as stingy as they were in that game on Saturday. Um Listen, I think there's a lot to like with, with what you've seen from them so far. Again, the bedrock of their success is going to be their goaltending defense, which really shouldn't have a lot of variance, shouldn't have a lot of up-and-down play. Like, you've got a foundation of, at the very least, you're going to be, I think, you know, we mentioned before, I don't think this is a wild-card team. I think this is a team that 
barring injuries, has the personnel and structure in place to be a team that can punch his ticket to the playoffs before the last week or two of the season. Um, how the offense comes around, how things mesh there, how things gel is going to be, I think, what elevates them into being a team that has the means to be a proven cup contender. And I think you see it in spurts with, um, you know, having a guy like David Poster and Cups are quite a bit. I think he's assisted on half of their goals this year. Not really sustainable, but it helps when you have a guy like that that can, you know, carry the the scoring burden there. Um, but whether it's finding out more chemistry ar- around the rest of the, the forward core, uh, getting Jake DeBrus going, Matthew Potra can continue to stick with the, the big club and continue to drive play. Like, if we see more of those things happen, if we see Potra continue to play well, Coyle uh, getting more traction in the third line, DeBrus heating up, then you see things start falling into place, and I think you can view them as a premier cup contender right now. I think they're right on the cusp of it. I, I think I'm feeling pretty good, Evan, about where we were, about them being second in the Atlantic or second, third, what have you. Um, but need to see a little bit more cohesion from that forward core um, before we start, you know, elevating them into the discussion of being the team to beat, which again, I don't know if Bruins fans want to even be that. No, I, why would you want that right now? Uh, they are a cup contender on the back end defensively in net, Like that's how they beat the Red Wings. That's how they're going to beat the better teams. That's how you're going to compete with Carolina, um, Colorado, uh, Toronto. That's how you're going to compete with those teams. Cause you don't have the offensive firepower. You are not up front. You are not yet a cup contender. And that's why I think they are not cup contenders in general. You do have to have both in my eyes to be a true cup contender, to be a team that is favored. Now, what's interesting is on FanDuel, Bruins right now are eighth for the cup. I think their odds are like plus 1100. I know they're eighth um, in all, which I think is sort of accurate. That's kind of where I'd place them. It's a little high, but I'd still have them around there, somewhere in that eight to 12 range. Uh, that's where I would have them in odds. Um, by the way, speaking of FanDuel, sometimes I look through the YouTube comments on these uh, podcasts and sometimes they, uh, you know, they get me down. Might be some bad ones. There's one the other day that made me smile. Said you and I are having a fan duel constantly because of the fans above yes. our heads, and yes. I said that is fucking genius. So yes. uh, credit well to credit to whoever put that commented that because I wish every comment was as witty as that was. That was yes. good. Also, uh, respectfully, uh, we have a podcast up almost every other day. So if you can't find us recapping a game after a day, click on the channel because you'll probably find another one. Like this will drop <laughs> after tomorrow's game. And what do you know? We'll have another one on this channel the next day that we'll also talk about the Panthers game. So, yes, everyone, breathe, please. Yeah, we got enough. There's a, there's enough content. It's a to long, go around. it's a long season. It please. is, <laughs> please. It's a long season. I agree with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but so yeah, I mean, I, I, I the FanDuel comment was, yes, well done. It was awesome. Um. But yeah, I mean, eighth is where I would have them. I just think, you know, defensively, goaltending, that is your strength. That's why I'm not, you know, uh, we had a Halloween party Saturday night, Connor, and someone said, are you ready to trade Olmark? And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> not there, because that's a strength of yours. And, uh, you know, you got to love when people have drinks and they start arguing Bruins takes. I'm like, all right, I I, yeah. I argue Bruins takes enough. We don't have to do this here. Um but uh, yeah, I'm not there on them being a cup contender yet. I know there are a lot of power rankings that have the Bruins like third, top five. And so far, I mean, they have been a top five team. They're the best team in the Atlantic, like uh, by record and points. Uh, but I think cup contender, you have to look a little bit deeper. 
uh, than just kind of the first eight games. But Connor, speaking of the first eight games, eight of nine for Matt Patra. We're into that sample, and um, Fluto Shinzawa had a uh, had a long feature on Patra uh, last week and had some comments in there from Cam Neely about him uh, whether or not he should stay or go. Uh, and everything Montgomery has said has pointed to him staying. I, I everything that's been said, the way the team promotes him, uh, feels like he's gonna stay. I would be floored if he went back to Guelph. I mean, I would be freaking floored. And I think there'd be revolts. You have to admit, like there would be there would be riots out in front of TD Garden um if if he were to go back. Um, so I don't think that's gonna be happening. Um but again, like it continues to impress, continues to impress and teams are taking notice of him. I mean, you saw uh, him get kind of hit from behind the other night. Uh, Montgomery mentioned on Monday that Frederick is now going to play with Matt Patra mm-hmm. to kind of be his, his bodyguard, his, his, uh, you can't, gotta, can't, can't let everybody inside the club. Um, you know, it just feels like Patra's here to stay, man. feels like that's the case. Yeah, I mean, you even look at that game on Saturday against Detroit where, I mean, he has zero points, but you talk to Jim Montgomery, you talk to his teammates after the game, you would think he had, you know, a couple of primary assists with just the way he was playing. And again, that's a testament to, you know, how I think refined his game is right now, that even if maybe he didn't uh, get a point on the the score sheet, uh, his ability to protect the puck, extend plays, a couple of plays where he's, you know, Drawing guys out of position, setting up grade A chances. Like those are the things, you know, we, we talked to McAvoy about that. Those are things you, you don't teach, right? You can, a guy can be a very gifted offensive player and has a great shot and can land on the highlight reel every once in a while over these, this nine games or has a great two on one feed to set up a goal. But through that night in and night out of shielding the puck, avoiding, you know, putting yourself in bad spots, turning the puck over, you know, having costly plays that hurt your team down the other end of the ice. That's impressive for a guy that age. Um, I mean, he had a, I think it was the end of the second period against Detroit, pretty much like manufactured an, an extended offensive zone time by himself off of just protecting the puck. He had that one play on Thursday against the Ducks where draws two guys out of position, gets Cam Fowler, and I think it was Ryan Strom following him, feeds it back to McAvoy, leads to a pretty much a wide open shot for one time for Grizzly for a goal. Like, again, gets to the secondary assist on that, but even if it was, another touch pass or something like he's the guy who sets those things up. Like that's what he's already showing at this level. Uh, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. So it's only the fact that I think he's passed every test the Bruins have thrown his way. It's not the fact that he looks like an NHL player. Like is also the Bruins kind of need him. The guy is like, I think <laughs> yeah. he's second on the team. The guy's second on the team, I think right now in five on five scoring chances, like he's hanging around the net. He's making things happen. And, as you're trying to find that cohesion and that chemistry in the forward core, he's a guy that plays into that and is one of the guys that's driving play for you right now. Again, we'll see how he is 40 games down the road, right? But for right now, as you're trying to kind of get your footing up front with your roster, uh, having a guy like Potter in place helps you out tremendously. And again, if he's up here full t- full time and he's able to put a guy like Coyle further down the lineup, things just start falling to place a little bit more. So I think he's here to stay. Oh, hundred percent. And we, we've talked a lot about his hockey sense, little things we've talked about, you know, his compete and his toughness, but like, he's such a good playmaker, such a good playmaker. And that's why, like, 
you know, like Grinnell mentioned on Thursday, like keep him with a Marshand, you know, let him, uh, you know, kind of unlock the offense in a guy like a Marshand or, you know, down the road, uh, you know, someone like a Pasternak or a DeBrusque. Um, and again, I get Frederick being next to him for that reason. Also unlock offense in Trent Frederick, who's looked great through the first eight games of the season, yeah. right? Like, I just think Patra has that innate ability uh, to be such a good playmaker, and that rubs off on his line mates, where Coyle is a puck possession guy who is a very good shutdown player, um, but just the points have never really been there, and that production has never really been there. Um, and with Patra, you get that. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to demean Coyle. Like, I, Coyle has a real freaking role on this team. Um, but again, Patra's kind of just been sent to you, and, you know, you've got this guy there who looks like a top six center plays like a top six center and is a top six center. And uh, at the very least, even if he's on that third line, it still feels like a second line because he's on it or even a first line you could make the case for. So uh, to me, I don't see any way in which he goes back. If he does go back, they would have to have like, they'd I'd need like a 10 page essay with a thesis statement and, you know, like a full, like AP English essay with, with, facts to back it up because i'd be curious to see those facts um but yeah i think potter's going to be here to stay yes score early this nfl season with fanduel america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass, Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the show. Anyways, uh, Danton Heinen made headlines. Danton Heinen made some big headlines on Monday when he led the practice skate, got stick taps from his teammates. The Bruins made him available after practice uh, for uh, talking to reporters. Uh, still does not have a contract. And at the time of recording, this is 2.44 PM. Unless I haven't, unless it's happened while we've been recording, I haven't looked at my phone. Uh, there has not been any contract dished out. I know he was uh, in the morning skate. He was on the fourth line with, uh, Beecher and Oscar Steen. Um, what should they do with him? What is to be done? Cause now Lucic is on LTIR. Lauko is hurt. Does Lucic on LTIR kind of open the door for Heinen to get a spot on this team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there should be a spot for a guy like Hannon. I think he comes in handy. Um, obviously, right now, where you're shorthanded on the fourth line, I think having a guy like him um, can make a difference, right? Like, as much as I think there are very vocal Dan Heinen detractors, I think for what his versatility uh, that he brings, his skill set, 
And the fact that whatever contract he does sign, if he signs here, is not going to be hefty, I don't think. <laughs> He's um, eight by eight. He's going to be eight by uh, eight, I'm telling you. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think he brings a lot of value, especially if he's if he ends up being like your 13 forward, or if he outplays a guy like uh, Lauko or a guy on the third line who's not you know pulling their weight. Like it's good having a guy like that. It's the Bruins always talk about internal competition and having a pretty established NHLer and Dan Heinen, who I mean, I think surprised a lot of us that he didn't end up with the contract somewhere, considering you know what he did in in uh, Pittsburgh and what his floor is as an nhl player um there's value there and if you're able to keep him on the team either in a reserve role or a guy that can get pressed into a game when needed uh, helps a, a team that already you know has some question marks up front having a guy like him in place can help you out a great deal so again maybe uh maybe he signs at like five o'clock tonight or, or what have you but it doesn't seem like there's some momentum there in terms of getting a deal done because i think he can bring a lot of value to this team whether it's on the in a reserve role or whenever they need to put him into a game. I think he can impact the game whenever you need him to. You know what they should do? Uh, they should have done this today because they might actually need him uh, tonight, Monday night against the Panthers. Uh, you know, in college when uh, there'll be like a team meeting and there's like a, like a hidden camera in the room and yes. the coach is talking and he brings up, you know, the walk on and says, you know, oh, Danton, you know, like Monty would bring up Danton High and say, Danton, we're, you know, we're, uh, we've got some news for you. And like Sweeney walks in with one of those fat, like checks they give to like donate mm-hmm. to people with the, like, you know, one year, like, 850,000. And the place just goes pub- publishers, publishers clearinghouse. Yeah. They just have like, <laughs> the gigantic check. Yeah, they should do it. You know, like a surprise them with a contract. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think he brings something to the table that, others don't i think there's versatility in his game um you can cut i mean you know there's a i think there's even a route we've talked about this feels like five of the top six are kind of set but there's that one spot left you know is it van reemsdyke is it frederick is it geeky is it coil on the right is it you know there's so many different options heinen's a guy that could play his way into that um now again i'm not saying that's going to happen but you never know he's in a good situation montgomery likes him a lot from his time with denver like I think there is an op- opportunity there. There's higher upside with a guy like Heinen than you know some of your other guys um, in that bottom six. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't work out. Maybe he never finds a spot. You know who knows? But I just think there's that there's that potential there. It's like when you when you add someone in fantasy football um, on like a bad team or something, and it's like, oh, there's always that chance. There's always that chance that you know that so and so goes off. Uh, Adam Thielen goes off and he actually, Adam Thielen yes. was awesome this season savior for me. Um, but as we say, we don't, we don't care about each other's fantasy football teams. This is it's not our thing. It's not our yeah. thing. I was saying, I was saying to Patrick Donnelly yesterday, I was like, if you're like, if you're writing about fantasy football, it must be awesome. You just like, Oh, I think this week so-and-so is going to go off because they're going against this defense. And like, it must must be cool you know and if you're wrong it's like ah, what are you gonna do you know must be cool i mean as someone as someone who started off four and oh and i will not uh, disclose what my record is now um yeah i'm not i don't want to talk that much about fantasy football it's almost like kevin it's almost like it's a big crap shoot so <laughs> is it crazy it's like march madness you know when you're filling out the bracket and uh yes. my mom would pick up jersey colors and do way better than me so um, of course that's usually yeah. how it works it is. That is how that stuff works. Uh, anyways, uh, one last thing I want to hit on is, um, is Jim Montgomery too jumpy with his lines? 
because it's been you know eight games we've seen a lot of different combinations of lines uh in that in that top nine the fourth line obviously has to be different because Lauko and uh, Lujic are both injured so you know what are you gonna do um but a uh, lot of flow through those top nine lines now you can also say all right Patras in his nine game stint you want to see him in multiple places um you know but again Zaka coil kind of gaining chemistry with their line mates is he being too jumpy or is this fine because hey it's the first couple of games you're trying to figure things out yeah i mean i i think you there's something to be said about sticking with a few groupings and trying to get some chemistry it's like i understand that nothing's really set in stone with this forward core you you know for years you had the luxury of bergeron and creation you can kind of build your foundation around them now it's all up in the air right so it's all about trying to find where a guy's best fit but you also got to let some of these lines marinate as well, right? Like, I think we looked at, um, like, I won't say the one tonight or on Monday with Frederick with Patra. Like, I get why they're doing that, so I won't really hop on that. But that's one that if it was just, let's say it wasn't about, like, a thing of having, you know, a bit of, you know, protection for Patra out there, right? Let's say, like, it was just Montgomery wanted to switch things up. Then I'd be like, all right, well, you know what Frederick and Coyle can do together. Like, let them marinate, right? Like you, you let them build some chemistry, you know, whether it's Patra with an, another group of guys or um, like getting DeBrusque going. And he's a guy that you need to start, you know, delivering at five on five play. And I don't think it's really helping him that he's kind of doubled all up and around the lineup as well. Um, so, yeah, I understand that, you know, it's still early in the season, but I do think that there's something to be said about letting some of these lines get some chemistry together. Right. It'd be one thing that if this team was three and four, or two and six, like the Patriots, or something like that. And <laughs> you, you have a situation where, um, you know, these lines aren't doing well and you're pan, and, you know, maybe not panicking, but you're not getting results out there. You have the luxury of having a very good goaltending grouping, a uh, really strong defense that you can kind of have the luxury of letting these lines kind of sort themselves out and barring, you know, a line being out there and they're getting hemmed in and the shots are 8 0 for the opposition. Like, I think there's something you said about keeping some of these lines intact and seeing what you have as opposed to continuing to kind of jumble them up. So we'll see maybe that changes once, you know, we get more clarity with Heinen or Patra and whether he's staying here or what have you, like maybe that impacts the game a little bit. But um, until then, it does seem like a lot of that turnover, a lot of that switching in and out can lead to some issues for the Bruins from trying to just get some cohesion, which is what I think they're kind of missing right now up front. Yeah, and I think you'll see a little more, obviously, Monday night against the Panthers, Toronto, Detroit, Dallas, New York, Islanders are all are the next five games uh, coming up. So, again, you're going to be facing you're gonna be facing some lottery teams to some non-lottery teams. Um, and I think you're going to get a little more clarity on that and what Montgomery has uh, in store for all of those lines. But uh, that is all for another day. Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston Globe and, the Boston, and Boston.com? Yeah, we're going to be covered uh, uh, throughout this uh, interesting stretch here against Panthers, Maple Leafs, Detroit, um, again, Dallas. you got some actual uh, impressive teams that the Bruins very well could face uh, in the spring uh, up right now for the Bruins. So great test for them as we see how they handle those opponents. Roster turnover, all that stuff. We've covered every step of the way over at Boston.com. So if you want to follow us, read all of our stuff over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's been this week's Bruins Beat. I'm Evan Marinofsky. That's Connor Ryan. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wasteland!